Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Great to be here, right? Good to worship the Lord. It's so amazing to be able to do that. Like, uh, I really enjoy this time of worship. Like, it's, uh, I'm, I have the privilege of being part of the worship time for three times this morning. And it's so amazing to be able to enter his courts with praise and just to draw close to him and express our love to him, right? God is so good. And like it was already announced, we're having a prayer summit. And for those that are asking, like, when do we have communion as a church? Well, we always have communion once a month when we have a prayer summit. So we invite you to come to have communion, but also to pray. And the theme for this Tuesday is wanting more of God, how how much we need God in our lives, and how much we are called to thirst for Him. And uh, when we're going to start this new year, uh, we always start this new year with fasting and praying. We call it the Daniel Fast, 21 days of fasting and praying. We want to go hard for God. We want to seek him. We want to see him move in our lives. We want to see him encounter us. And so we can start already preparing ourselves for that time. So on Tuesday, we will be um, focusing on wanting more of God in our lives. Amen? All right. I would ask you to stand. We'll go to his word. Yes, Father God, I thank you that you are in our midst. And uh, we want to surrender to you like we sang and and we want to open up to, to you. We want you to move us um, in a new way. And so we give you permission, if we can say it this way. We, we, open, we choose to open up to you, for you to have your way, for you to speak to us, for you to sow a seed that will bear fruits. And that's what we want, Lord. May you bring another layer of understanding, another layer of conviction, a layer that your Holy Spirit is able to bring in our lives so that we might shine for you and so that we might represent you well, so that we might be ambassadors and also grow in this deep relationship as sons and daughters. So I just pray that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You may grab a seat. So we've been talking on Nehemiah, brick on brick, and uh, the theme was building. And... uh, as you all know, we're, uh, last year was a rough go, and, and now when we face the, f- the fall, I know like in the, in the spring I was looking at Nehemiah, and I could, I could see that that's what we needed. We need to, to build. We need to get back on track, on, on the mission, on what God is asking of us. And, and so when we look at this book, it's, an, it's a marvelous book because it talks about building. It talks about the Israelites that were in slavery in Babylon and they were coming back. And, and so Nehemiah is a pioneer with Ezra, with Zerubbabel, with Zacharias, godly leaders that brought the people together more than just building a wall, but building a people, having them come together, stay, having this focus of, um, of being the habitation of God, but also fulfilling their mandate to, to, and the mandate was to prepare the way of the Lord, of the coming of the Messiah. So when we look at this whole book, it focuses on building, and, and, uh, and, and, and what we want to be caught in, we want to be caught in building. Can you say to your neighbor that you want to be a builder? 
But when we look at this chapter, or when we look at this, well, I'll be talking on chapter 11, and uh, I spoke on chapter 9 last week, uh, chapter 10 and, 11 and, and 12 and 13, chapter 10, 12 and 13, they have the same theme, so we'll deal with that next week, but we'll stop at chapter 11. But when we look at the whole, uh, the whole book, we, we see God working in his people, and we can see God bringing his people together uh, to build these walls, and also building a temple, and creating a platform for um, setting up, the setting up of the Messiah uh, to be. And so this chapter 11 is kind of a unique chapter. I don't know if you've read chapter 11, but if you haven't read chapter 11, if you would read chapter 11, you would see that there's a ton of names. And so when we look at the book of Nehemiah, we can focus on Nehemiah, we can focus on Ezra because the book of Ezra in, in the Hebrew is the same. It's, it was the same book as the book of Nehemiah. And so you see Ezra that was a forerunner that was before Nehemiah. We see them. We see Zerubbabel through Zerubbabel. Beautiful name to call your kid, right? Zerubbabel. So Zerubbabel was a vessel that God used to build the temple. And then you have the prophet Agai, and then you have the prophet Zacharias that were all there in tune to see the work of God. And, and I thank God for these leaders, but the, the reality is that these walls would have never been built with only leaders. These type of leaders, leaders. We, we can see God using the people in so many different ways. I remember when uh, Brad was preaching, and bless Brad as he, he's preaching in morning right now. Uh, I, when he preached on all the families that were involved in building the walls, it was um, like a chapter of names, but it was all all these people, all these people that came together and, and they all had a section of the wall to build. And so right now, if you look at chapter 11, we'll take a look at unseen heroes in this chapter. And, and really the chapter focuses on the people, celebrating the people. Can you tell your neighbor that people are amazing? People are amazing. You know, we, we sometimes don't want to say it, but really, people are amazing. And one of the reasons why sometimes we find people not amazing is because of the brokenness, their own brokenness, right? And life is not easy, and sometimes we hit walls and we get hurt and, and we build a, this, this shell and, and then we develop bad habits and all that. And, and, but the reality is not who we are, but these are all things that are linked to sin, the consequences of sin in the, in the life of a person just tears that person apart, whatever, whatever the journey. But, but the bottom line is when we look at the value of people, we know how people are valued because we know that Jesus was sent for us, right? And so we know that we're valuable. And, and when we find, what we find in this chapter, we find an amazing people. And if you look at chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, look what it says. The, leader, the leaders of the people were living in Jerusalem, the holy city, a tenth of the people from the other towns of Judah and Benjamin were chosen by sacred lot to live there, to live there too, while the rest stayed in, in, uh, where they were. 
If, if you look at this text here, you, you find that there was basically two tribes left, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, and Judah was way, way bigger than Benjamin, the biggest tribe in, in Israel. And what happened here is that the leaders went to Jerusalem, and now they were casting lots to see who would move to Jerusalem, and they were aiming at one-tenth of the population to move to Jerusalem. And in verse 2, what, you, what, you, we, what we read is, and the people commended everyone who volunteered to settle in Jerusalem. If you look at verse 3, it says, here are the list of names of the provincial office, officials who came to live in Jerusalem, most of the people, priests, Levites, temple servant, and descendant of Solomon, servants continued to live in their own homes in the various town of Judah. But some of the people from Judah and Benjamin um, resettled in Jerusalem. So when we see these four verses after that, the whole chapter is names. And when I was preparing for chapter 11, it was like I, I read the four verses, and then I started to read, read all the names, and I was asking God, so what's the principle? What is the meat and potato uh, in, in this chapter? How, what will I preach to the people, right? Because it's a book of names. And, and what I had in my heart, it was, yeah, it's names and God's principle and God's plan or God's purpose or God's um, uh, solution for the situation that was there was people. And so when we look at the context, Jerusalem was a barren city. It was a ghost town. Get the picture here. When people came back from Babylon, they settled in the country because they had to feed themselves. They had their yards, right? So they came in and they went on their land and they, uh, they built themselves a home and then they took care of their yards. And this is where you find the prophet Agai that says to them, you forgot the temple, you forgot about God, you only focused on your yard. So now it's time to go to the mountain to get some timber and to build a temple. But what happened is the people went... Uh, came back to the promised land. And so what they did is they focused on their, their yards, right? And so nobody wanted to live in Jerusalem because it was ruined. It was a mess. The walls were down, and who wants to live in Jerusalem? And in chapter 11, what we find is that people are going to Jerusalem because they have at heart, to verse 2, is that they had at heart to go to Jerusalem. And those that their name came out from, from casting law, they would go to Jerusalem. That means these, these guys or these families are unseen heroes. We don't really value them or we don't see the value of them when we read. When we speed read the chapter, we don't realize that these guys, they paid a humongous price. They left their, their acreage right, where they had fruits maybe and, and where they settled and they said, let's go to Jerusalem. And, and, and they agreed that if the cast, when they cast lots, when, when, if their name came out, they were going to Jerusalem. And there's some people in verse 2 that volunteered to go and say, we will go to Jerusalem. I can think, I, I can imagine of this couple they're, they move to Babylon, they're back into the promised land, they're excited, and they're having this conversation. The husband and the wife, 
they're having this conversation. Hey, um, what do you think about moving to Jerusalem? Oh, you know, we've worked so hard on this, and there's so much effort that we've placed on our, uh, on a, our acreage, you know. But if God calls us to go, then we'll go. Uh, if God causes us to, if God wants me to do this, we will do this. And again, you read chapter 11, it doesn't, get your, doesn't really get your attention because there's a lot of different names. But God makes sure that these names were in that chapter because they, pried, they paid a price uh, for, for Israel. Again, when we look at the building of Israel, it's way more than a wall. It's building a people. It's building a people. And it was way more bigger than Nehemiah, Ezra, Agai, Zacharias, Zerubbabel. It was way bigger than that. It was caught by the people. The people saw the value of what God was doing. And in this beauty is that they were preparing the way of the Messiah because Jerusalem had to exist. It had to be strong. It had to be secure. And God had a plan of bringing the Messiah through in Jerusalem. And they were responding to the call of God to go and work or to settle in Jerusalem, not knowing the big picture. But did you know? that if I can have your attention for a moment, the, the, the tapestry that you're working on, it's way bigger than yours. Or your world, when it's all joined with the other words, worlds, other people's world, it's way bigger. And sometimes we get caught in our little world and we get caught on our acreage and we forget the big picture of what God wants to do. What you really find in this chapter is a people that is available a people that have open hands, a people that are willing to say, God, what do you want to do in us? And when we look at the end result, it's such a beautiful picture of the walls being built, the temple being um, restored, and, and sacrifices, and, and, and the worship to God being restored. All this, through this, you see faithful people like me and you. So the, the, the title of my message was, Thank You. And the reality is that when it comes to his kingdom, we cannot see the fullness of his kingdom without me and you. I think it's very applicable when it comes to the church. I believe that we're building something. I believe that it's way bigger than us, and we can't do it alone. But the way it's being built, it's to be available to whatever God wants to do through me and also what he wants to do in me. And, and not everybody went to Jerusalem. There was a tenth. So everybody had a call, but they had a call and they respond to it. It's the same thing as me and you. We all have a call. We, all, we are all made with purpose and significance. And God wants to work in your lives, but you don't want to miss out on the call because you're not available. And that's what you find in this chapter. See, a list of names, take a look on your phone if you go and you go on, if only for that purpose. If you look at chapter 11, if you have your Bible and you look at chapter 11, start to read chapter 11, and then you want to jump from basically verse, verse 4 to verse 15 because it's just a pile of names. I, I, when I saw this, I was saying, Lord, I, I want my name to be there, you know? 
I want my name to be there, and, and I, I want to be part of something bigger than me. I, I want to be uh, willing to lay things aside. I, 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 I want to be willing to uh, let things go. Like I, I look at last, last um, Sunday, I was here, here early, and I saw this guy with this porka out at quarter to eight. He was here, and he was looking for a coffee. And he says, where can I find coffee? I said, well, I'm the worst guy to make you coffee. I can make you coffee, but it's not going to taste good. Okay? I can give you a green tea, but he was looking for, for coffee. But this guy was preparing to go and, do, and be a porker usher. Yeah, porking usher, sorry, porker usher. A porking usher. And I was talking to him. I, I was thanking him for his involvement. And I, I was telling him, like, what you do really, really matters. And he says, I, I realize what I do. People, when they come here, they need to park their cars because I know there's some people that that's a big part because they took a risk by coming to church and their commitment is low. And so if they come in and they can't find a parking, they're going to say, oh, well, there's no place for us. Let's go back home. And so he's willing to go outside and to serve in the parking. And nobody really knows his name. Maybe you will not even recognize him because he's got a hat over his head. But he, he left his acreage to go to Jerusalem. We have the prayer summit tomorrow. There's some people that are, will come, be coming to the prayer summit, uh, not tomorrow, on Tuesday. And they won't be, even be in the sanctuary, in the auditorium. They will be in the childcare. They will come on a Tuesday evening and start their car in the cold to care for kids. That's being called by God. I, <laughs> come on. I, I prefer to come in the auditorium and pray than to be with a bunch of little kids. <laughs> in, in a, in, 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 I got to be careful what I say, right? <laughs> I'm on, it's recorded. So yeah. And, and, you, you, <laughs> and you see these people committed for a cause. You know, the, the only way that things move forward in God's kingdom is when that happens. Like, people will remember more how they are greeted than my message or the tremendous time of worship. You see? Like, we are on a mission. Like, the people were on a mission. Like, Nehemiah was on a mission. There was a mission that was happening, rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the temple, regrouping the people for the coming of the Messiah. It's the same thing. We're forerunners. Jesus is coming back. There's a harvest. There's a mission that needs to be brought forward. I need to take a hold of that. You know, the, the problem is that we made the church a tradition, and, and we made the church um, cultural. But the church is not a cultural thing. It should be, we should be driven with, with, tech, with conviction. There should be a conviction for the church. As these people that were willing to leave their acreage to go to Jerusalem, it was because it was a conviction. It was not because they were forced to, especially those involved in verse 2 that said, hey, we'll go. They knew it needed to be done. They knew the work at hand. They knew the situation. And they, were, they, they had a conviction in their heart to make a difference. See? I think that's what needs to happen in the church. And we've seen in the last few years how it has not been the case. And we've seen in the last few years that the church is really more cultural We've seen our online presence grow, and nothing wrong for people online. But the reality is that I cannot be, I cannot play my role of a priest on my own. 
Actually, you cannot serve God on your own. You can't. We were made to live together like the people of Israel that were called to be one. And it's the same thing that we're called to be one. So when I look at this chapter 11, it's the beauty of the people responding to God's call. And if we do this individually and corporately, it's amazing what God can do, right? And we see people from different ways of life. You, you look at verse 16. We see business people. They were in charge of work outside of the temple of God. We see business people leaving their acreage to come to the temple. We, we, not to the temple, but to Jerusalem. We find also leaders like we read earlier. In verse 17, you find priests. Uh, you, you, we find the name of Asaph, a descendant of Asaph, who led in thanksgiving and prayer. You know, I, I think it's so cool that Asaph was committed to the house. He led worship in the house. And then you see generation passes, generation passes, and you see a great, great grandkid lead in prayer in different house, but the same. How they were committed to the house. How they, were, would, they believe in what they were doing. And then you have gatekeepers in verse 19. They were administrators like police officers protecting and making sure there's peace. So, so you see different type of people moving to Jerusalem because there was a call. There, there's four things I want you to remember today. Is God remembers us when we serve him. God remembers us when we do what we're called to do. And this is so amazing because in this chapter, you find the name of the people that left their acreage to go to Jerusalem. God saw them, and God takes pleasure in their obedience. And, and, and so this is where it's challenging because we have a choice of living our own lives and living for ourselves, or we, we, we want to have a conviction where we all, the conviction of God's calling upon our lives, and, and that's not when you do it alone, it's when you do it with other people. In verse three of Matthew chapter six, it says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. But look what it says. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Here it talks about the motive, like it's, Impossible for your right hand, not to, your left hand, not to know what your right hand is going, doing, right? It's just, what's your motive? Why are you doing what you're doing? And, and, and so we got to realize that we are a people on a call that are called by God, and we're building something. And so we do it in the honor of God, and we want to hear one day, good and faithful servant. Can you say that to your neighbor? I want to hear good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant, based on what God has placed in my hands. For them, for tenth, it was to go to Jerusalem. For others, they had another mandate. But I want to be responsible to what God places in my hand. We, we think about the parable of the talents that you probably all know. One received five talents, and talents is not like giftings, but uh, an amount of money. Another received two, and the other received one. And the one that received one, what he did, he buried it, didn't do nothing with it. It was chastised and corrected by the master. And the one that received five got five more. Uh, and the one that received two got two more. But at the end it says they gave that, the one that did not use his talent to the one that had five. It's because he multiplied what he had. 
And it's the same thing when it comes to us. We're called to manage what God has given us. But there's so much potential in you. There's so much that God has poured into you. And the thing, it might look different from one to, to, one to the other. But I need to realize that I need to live a life with open hands. So God remembers us and he sees us. I mean, if God sees us, that's what really, really matters. And that's what we want to see in our lives. Second thing, God takes pleasure in faithfulness. Be faithful, it's not easy. Be touch and go, it's a lot easier. To be sporadic, it's a lot easier. But to be faithful, it's not an easy matter. And look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others. Each one. That means you and me, each one, without exception. We all receive, and you heard this before as so you've been going to, to church for a long time. Let, but let it, let it sink that I've got to do, let it sink in your heart with the thought that I need to do something with that. I need to respond to that. If I look at verse 10 of chapter 4, something needs to happen in me. Something needs to um, transpire through my life. Each one should expecting to use whatever gifts he has received. So we all receive gifts, all of us without exception. And the gifts are what God gives us, and we're called, expected to use them to serve what? To serve others and to give ourselves for the cause of others. And this is the famous word, faithfully. Can you say to your neighbor, it's hard? Faithfully is hard. It's not conditional to my comfort. It's not conditional to the climate. It's conditional to God's calling. And you're faithful through the, through the winter, through the fall, through the summer. You just keep focused on what God is calling you, knowing that you're administering God's grace in various forms, in different expression. So I want to see this verse take root in my heart and do something with that. You see? I want to be like these guys where you find their names that there was a need to go to Jerusalem and they went and they responded to God's call. Like, I, I think one of the beliefs is that, that we believe that is wrong is um, I think we grew up with the belief that Christianity is all about believing in Jesus and you give your life to Jesus and then it's a, uh, you're sailed for, for heaven. And, and it's true that that's the big part of the gospel. Like I said, the heart of the Father, listen to this, the heart of the Father, it's all about people. But the heart of the Father is also about people that he wants to raise so these people can be met. Because the solution for the world, or the bridge for the world, is a church. We are the bridge to the world because we're on a mission. And what we bring is Jesus that is the solution. But we have to realize that God has placed a call upon us, right? So, so we're called to, to see Christianity not only in believing in Jesus, but to realize that we're a, we have a call. Um, to, to, to these people that believe that Christianity is all about me believing in Jesus, for them, then when they look at the church, they don't need the church as long as they have Jesus. I, I want to read a quote to you from John Wesley. John Wesley said, the New Testament knows nothing of solitary religion. And it's so true. The New, the New Testament knows nothing of solitary religion. You, you look at Jesus that lays his, die, his life down for the church. You look at 
in the upper room. The preaching of the gospel brought multitude, and they counted the believers, and they were, they were added daily to their number. It was the church. You look at all the church plants that were done. You look at Timothy training Timothy. Paul is training Timothy to raise up elders, faithful people that will stand in the gap. When we look at the church, listen, when we look at the church in the New Testament, it's always local. It's not universal, and we hide behind this universal, universal mind that I can, I can live my Christianity in my home. It's so not true. God brought us together. It's the same thing as God brought the Israelites together. God is bringing us together. It's so important for us to see that. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Just as our body have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. All the parts are connected. And how does that connect? It's, it's through the local church. According to this passage, to be a Christian is to be joined to Christ, and to be joined to Christ is to be joined to his church. You cannot separate it. The word ecclesia, where we have the word church, means gathering of those summoned. In the New Testament, it's the call-out assembly. It's not a call-out individual, but a call-out assembly. Why? Because we all need community. We all need accountability. We need corporate vision. we got to live for something bigger than ours, bigger than our own dreams or our own thoughts or our own perspective. We need to be mentored, and we need to mentor the next generation. I, I, you know what really blows my heart is to see the amount of kids we have in here. I, I, I would be curious to have uh, all the count of the kids that are coming through this, through this church during the week. First of all, we have our youth, we have our junior youth, we have our young adults, we have grow, we have childcare on, on a Wednesday, ladies' morning. It would be like hundreds and hundreds of kids. What a mandate we have to disciple and to invest, you see? This is community here. It's the same thing as leaders were there to lead for the building of the temple and the walls of Jerusalem, but it's the people that made it happen. Is the people that were willing to leave Jerusalem, uh, to leave their, their, uh, their acreage to go to Jerusalem. It was this, the people that were willing to work on the wall. Remember the story of this perfume maker that was working on the wall? That's, it has to be funny, right? You got this guy that's a perfume maker, and he's got a section of the wall to work on. He probably had no callus in his hands. You know, it probably smelled very good when he was working. But a perfume maker that was working on the section of the wall. I find that so amazing. The challenge is, what are you working on? How do you see the church? How do you view the church? And as we are moving forward, we have to realize that God has called us to build something. And the building is to see the kingdom of God progress and to see the next generation be raised and to see us stand and work and minister and realize that it's bigger than me. So what if God would ask you to leave your acreage and move to Jerusalem? What would you say? What would you say? Come on. Would you find excuses? Would you decide to have church in your home? What would you do? Oh, you know, I'm going to separate from the people. I'm going to live my own thing. What would you do? I need to answer that question. 
I need to answer that question because that's the only way that we can see the church grow more than numerically but with influence in reaching the lost and the prodigals is when I can answer that question. Yes, God, here I am, use me. Yes, God, I'm available for you. Thirdly, don't despise what seems to be small things. Well, God, I have nothing to offer. It's not about that. It's about availability. It's about submission and obedience. And, and God will do tremendously more than we can imagine and believe. And that's what we find in the scripture. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says, same, same time as Nehemiah, just a little ahead, just prior to Nehemiah, and he says, who despised the day of small things? The temple was a ruin. They didn't know how to build it. There was not, no resources, no people. They didn't know how the temple was going to, build, to be built. And, and, and God said to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my ruah, my breath, by the Holy Spirit. And, and the temple was built. You know, I, I, I like 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, that says, But God shows what the world considers foolish, to shame the wise. God shows what the world considers weak, to shame the strong. And God shows what the world considers low class and low life, what is considered nothing. To reduce what is considered to, to be something to nothing, so no human being can brag in God's presence. It qualifies all of us, right? Low class, low life, weak, foolish, you know? So we don't want to underestimate the call that God has placed on our life, and we don't want to minimize our involvement, like I said earlier, or maybe in the first service, is I might have a few fish, a few loaf of breads, but God is able to multiply it, you know? God takes pleasure in faithfulness. God sees, God sees you. He sees your sacrifice, and he sees your commitment, and he will remember you. My last point is, can we let God move our hearts? Can we let God move our hearts? You know, the, the beauty with God is that he, he gives us free will. He doesn't force anything on you. He doesn't turn my my arm and says, Claude, serve me, serve me. Okay, 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 God. He doesn't do that. He gives me freedom of choice. But can I let God move my heart? And like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the love of Christ, Paul says, controls me and com compels me. It's when I come alive to his kingdom, when my heart is to make a difference. So, so how do I do that? Is when I go to God, one of the stories that for me is it's such, it's so much fun to read, it's, it's the conversion of Paul. And, and also, um, when, when, when Peter has this revelation in chapter 10, he's at Simon's the ta ta Tanner. And he goes up on the, on the roof in chapter 10 to pray. And then he falls in a trance. And he sees, God gives him a vision of the gospel to the Gentiles. It wasn't clear at that time if the gospel should go to the Gentiles. And they were keeping the gospel basically only to the Jews. And God was showing him that God was, that Father had at heart the lost. So he showed him like the Gentiles. At the same time, Cornelius, that was a Gentile, had an encounter with God. And an angel said to him, oh, go, go, go get Peter. And, and finally they, they went to get Peter and Peter had this 
revelation. You see, this is how God works, right? So unreal. The timing in God, how God orchestrated all that is so amazing. So, 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 um, uh, so Peter is there. He says, I, I know. I just got this revelation. He goes to the house of Cornelius. He's not even finished speaking. Maybe he was speaking too long. I don't know. But they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. And something unreal happened. And it was a door, an open gate to the Gentiles. But it started by going to God. You go to God. God, what do you want me to do? God, what is your calling on my life? What do you want to do in this body? What do you want to do through me to minister this body so that we might be God's arrow on his bow and we might fulfill his calling? So first thing is I got to go to God. Secondly, I got to lift up my eyes. Like it says in Matthew chapter 9. Look at the fields that are white. And, and look, pray for the harvest master to send workers into the field, right? Open my eyes, Lord, as I lift up my, my head. And the last one is when I trust God, when I respond to a need, when I obey to the voice of the Holy Spirit, when I just trust God, when I leave my acreage and I go to Jerusalem and I trust Him, I trust Him. And that's what needs to happen in my life. And that's what needs to happen in your life. Okay, God, it's bigger than me. So what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? Beautiful chapter of a people that we're willing to be used by God. My prayer for you and me, that we would have our name in that chapter. Willing to leave our acreage to see God's plan be fulfilled. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.